This is David Spark. I wrote this awesome book called Three Feet from Seven Figures, one-on-one engagement techniques to qualify more leads at trade shows. Don't go anywhere. You have to listen to us. Talk about it on the Marketing Book Podcast with Douglas Burdett. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, which was named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer in 2016. My goal for this podcast is to help you discover new ideas about what's working in modern marketing. And don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. Today, we're joined by David Spark, and we're going to talk about his new book, Three Feet from Seven Figures, one-on-one engagement techniques to qualify more leads at trade shows. David Spark is a veteran tech journalist and founder of Spark Media Solutions, a brand journalism and media consulting firm that helps its clients be seen as leading voices in their fields. His firm also offers trade show training. Spark's company has worked with clients such as IBM, Oracle, Microsoft, HP, Dell, and LinkedIn. David and his articles have appeared in more than 40 media outlets, including Mashable, Wired, PC World, and ABC Radio, to name just a few. Today, David co-hosts the weekly Teardown Show roundtable podcast and blogs regularly at sparkminute.com. Earlier in his career, David spent 10 years working in advertising and marketing at various agencies and also squandered, his words, not mine, more than a dozen years working as a touring stand-up comedian a San Francisco tour guide and comedy writer for the second city in Chicago. David, congratulations on three feet from seven figures and welcome to the marketing book podcast. Uh, Douglas, thank you so much. And I should also mention uh, kudos to you for making the top 10 list of marketing podcasts via LinkedIn. We have something in common in that respect because LinkedIn just put my book as one of the top 12 books Every sophisticated marketer should have. Oh, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, it was about a week ago. And I, I of course, was looking at it going, okay, I've interviewed that author. I've interviewed that author. And then I saw and yours. And I was like, I got him. I got him. There you I'm go. glad you reached out to me to, to get on the show. And for the listener's benefit, this is going to be, if, if your firm deals with any kind of exhibiting, uh, like at trade shows and, or, or events, this is really, really going to be helpful. So let me start with an opening excerpt, and then we'll dive in. Okay. In preparing for a trade show, we focus only on physical logistics, such as booth design, shipping equipment, giveaways, messaging, video production, booking hotels, and flying staffers to the show. What's left behind in all that planning are preparing the people on what to expect at the show, how to behave, and how to identify and qualify the best possible leads. So... Explain the title of the book, please. What happens is three feet from seven figures. The the title gets its name from the fact that most of our clients are B2B technology companies. And if they land a new customer, that inevitably its lifetime value is going to go into the seven figures. And when you're at a trade show or a conference, you are physically only three feet away from your next potential customer. And if you land it, that could be seven figures for you, hence the title Three Feet from Seven Figures. But what we have found is companies do such an inordinate amount of work in time and money 
and people's individual efforts. And just at the point where the rubber hits the road, it's like everything collapses. <laughs> and that is the moment that you need to actually engage with the individuals on the floor. And I see it so many times. It like it makes me cry and tear up with how badly people handle engaging with others at trade shows. It's mm-hmm. It's pretty shocking how bad it is. In, now, some do it well, but I would say 90% and up do it poorly. Oh, I know. And it's a, and it's not even your money, but you hate to see it go to waste like that. It's like seeing really good food go to waste. And I kept, as I was reading the book, I kept thinking about that expression from that movie. I can't remember which one, where they say, missed it by this much. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that, it might have, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Missed it by, because you are literally, but you are going to miss it by that much all the time if you don't make an effort to connect with people. And I think one of the main reasons people don't make the effort at a trade show, why they kind of fall short when they're at the floor is it's a trade show is a surreal experience. It is a miniature city. Everything is highly compressed. All communications engagement are doing are happening in a rapid fashion. And it's, it's kind of intense and overwhelming for individuals to handle. And as a result, instead of sort of bringing their game up, they kind of shut down because they, they can't handle the rejection of which you're going to get that happens on a trade show floor. Yeah. But that's normal. Well, there, the beginning of the book, um, it was like a glass of cold water splashed in my face, or maybe, uh, I was being smacked around to get your attention, but I'm telling you, it worked. And it's when you did just a tiny bit of math, and it seemed like if every company were to do what I'm going to ask you to explain, they would then start taking the trade show activity more seriously. And that has to do with the hourly cost of the show. Can you tell the uh, listeners yeah, about that's, that? I mean, I don't think anyone does this basic math. Here's what you do. You just, you literally add up all the costs that are involved in the trade show. And I mean all of the costs. I'm not just talking about the sponsorship, which is sadly the only way people think of it. We're talking the sponsorship. We're talking the flights. We're talking the hotels, the meals, the 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 cost of the, the time the of people at the strippers. Yes, well, in some cases. But it, the cost of the time of the people working the show and not being at the office and just the cost of the time in general. And let's not forget the months and months of preparation and the time to put into that. Just add up all those costs. Now, you are going to be on the trade show floor for 8, 16, maybe 20, 24 hours. I'm being generous here. Over the you course of a couple big, of days? Yeah, yeah. You pay, take that big number and you divide it by the number of physical hours you'll be on the floor, and that is your cost per hour to be there. Keep that number in your head, which at the lowest end we've seen it Three to five thousand dollars an hour, up to thirty-five thousand dollars an right. hour, and it yeah. can go up higher. It's insane. And when you have that mind in your head, now look at your staff. Are they operating as if you are spending three to thirty-five <laughs> grand an hour? Probably yeah. not. I think. Didn't you say in the book that there was one client where they figured out it was thirty-six thousand dollars? Yeah, yeah, an hour. It was insane. It's insane. Yeah. It's and by the way, that's I'm sorry, that's a low estimate. There are there are ones there are companies that that paying the six, if not hitting seven figures to be at a trade show. It's, that was just a client insane. you had, I think. We're, it was actually a client. Uh, it was a friend knew. of mine. Yeah, okay. but no, we've had other clients that have spent that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, and also I have a video, which I haven't published yet, where I got people admitting that they're spending two hundred fifty to $300,000 to be at the show. I mean, it's 
and you know, and they realize they have to work it. They yeah. got to do. It. Yeah. So when you start to put it, uh, when you um, when you quantify it like that, I would think that uh, you know, obviously, the cost of this book is <laughs> is uh, a pre- only fourteen ninety five yeah. paperback. <laughs> well, it's, it's but it's gonna it's going to um, uh, it's going to help quite a bit. All that other money that they've invested uh, to help them to get more of a return. So that uh, I think is an eye opener. And the other thing I wanted to ask about is uh, you, you talk in the book about exhibitors need to figure out what their goals are. Mm-hmm. And it's my sense that they don't, a lot of them don't really have any goals. Why are the goals so difficult for exhibitors to determine? Well, sometimes it's, it's a very limited goal. It's like, oh, we just want to, you know, we just want to be visible or, or we, we can't not go to that leads. show. Well, there's a lot of we cannot, we can't not go because you're, you know, so much of, of trade show attendance and sponsorship is not losing. It's not about winning. It's not losing because, you know, here's the typical, say, say, you know, your industry has some premier, every industry has some premier trade show and you choose one year not to go. Well, here's what happens when you choose not to go. Your competition gets to define your story. They get to actually write your story for you. So people will say, hey, I, you know, I'm surprised that company X isn't here. Well, and then your competitor says, well, they're having troubles right now or things aren't going so well for them. You know, they couldn't afford to be here or something like that. Well, I mean, now that's in everybody's mind. Yeah. You no longer have control of your story. And once and if you're at the show, then you can kind of control your story and be on same level ground. So, you know, for some, it's not losing in that case. Uh, some it's just, oh, let me just gather leads, throw it into my marketing funnel and hope, you know, hope for the best. And some really see the value of, no, this is a chance to press flesh with my existing customers and potential customers and let others know about what we're doing. Um, and how we can sort of create a more, um, aggressive funnel to turning these people into customers Mm -hmm. and, but just know what you want. So when you're out there and you're meeting people face to face, you actually, you have a line, you have a sort of a patter to get people through that process to figure out whether they're a qualified or not qualified uh, potential customer. Right, right. Now, you mentioned that you, with this book, you wanted to prove that unapproachable booth behavior was systemic. Explain what you mean there. Well, the and again, this is in this video that's, that will be released soon. Oh, stop teasing uh, us, David. I, I know. Well, but I, I will describe something, and I show images of this too. I'm and, going to and, describe. And actually, uh, whenever it does get produced, we will add it to the show notes at marketingbookpodcast.com. The uh, well, it's been produced. It's it's hanging in more of a, a legal limbo type thing. Uh, the but um, this behavior you've seen before, Douglas. The the person staring at their cell phone in the booth, the person eating in the booth, the person talking to their colleagues who work in the booth. So they're all wearing blue shirts and they're in kind of what I refer to the booth huddle. All of this behavior, none of it says, come talk to us. We want to talk to you. You, Douglas, walking by are the most interesting, important thing right now to me. No, it's more of, I I don't feel comfortable talking to these people. I'm this just going to what I normally here. do. It's not what I normally do. I'm just going to wait till someone comes to me and I, and I'll be friendly if someone talks to me, but I I just yeah, I yeah, I I'm not going to reach out to them. And that is exactly the person you do not walk, want working in your booth mm-hmm. uh, at all. Um and that's it's interesting part of our trade show training is 
auditioning people to see who's the best person. I mean, people assume, oh, well, we got to have the VP of whatever in our booth. Well, maybe the VP of whatever is not the best person to be working your booth. Or, you know, you, you'll be surprised who would be the most amazing people to work your booth. Usually people working in customer service are ideal. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just want friendly people who have the momentum and can also handle the exhaustion that is involved in working a trade show booth all day because it is exhausting. Yeah, and you also talk about like auditioning people for that role from from right. a larger company. Right, and, but we audition as kind of the, the part of the training is – and um, the um, what's great about the – about doing that is we train them and then – after we do the training, we sit down with the you know the company leaders and they say, okay, we train them. These are the people we think are going to be the rock stars in your booth. We don't kind of audition them beforehand because then it kind of there's kind of a kind of a weird sort of umbrella that hangs over that. Oh, okay. Just, we just train everybody, and as a part of the training, we're also auditioning. As okay. Well. Now you did say <laughs> that's another one that kind of uh, surprised me. You said that salespeople are not always the best people to work the trade show booth. Why is that? So everyone assumes salespeople are the best people to work the trade show booth because what they do is they talk with people. But the problem is salespeople's incentives are not in line with what you need to do in a trade show booth traditionally. Let me you know qualify. Everyone has mm-hmm. been. Traditionally, you are there to gather leads. That is the common traditional behavior. But a salesperson's first response is that they meet you on the floor. He goes, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from California. From And, you know, thinking, oh, geez, well, I don't. I handle the East Coast. I don't handle the West Coast. You, you have no interest in me. You're dead the to other me. Thing, yeah, you're dead to me. I don't care about you. And then their job is not to gather leads. Their job is to follow up and lead. So they don't want to be hanging out in the booth. They want to be uh, out there engaging with uh, their potential customers and existing customers to try to grow that because that's what they do. In fact, I just think salespeople are the worst people to have in your booth because everything is disincentivized for them to physically be there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in terms of... Uh you know, getting people to the booth and, and engaging with them. You know, you talk about don't look at your phone, don't eat, uh, don't be talking yeah. to the other people. Um, so you want to, you know, see people coming by. You obviously have to look at them. Yes. And you say the 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 thing you should never ever say is, "Can I help you?" Why is that? Because <laughs> you sound like a concierge, and ninety percent of the time, people just say, um, "No." <laughs> Uh, they will pass you by or they'll ask you where the bathroom is. Yeah, it's like when you get a cold call on the phone and they say, how are you today? I immediately know it's a call from a salesperson. Well, no, but it's interesting you say that. I refer to that as the the faux friendliness. And you probably get a lot of these mass emails that say, you know, hi, Douglas, hope you're having a great week. And you don't know who this person is. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know who you are. Why are you asking me if I'm having a great week? Uh Uh-huh. And if I'm excited about the NBA playoffs, I mean, like, you don't know what, what are we, what are we talking about here? It's, it's very, very bizarre. Uh, so my feeling is when you approach people have opening lines that are relevant to the event and relevant to your product and, but more importantly, as relevant to the individual as possible, you know, this is the big thing. A lot of people don't get when they work trade shows, they think it's all about them. And no, you got to flip that thinking. And because no, it's all about the attendees. Yeah. It's all about what they want and what they're looking for. 
So, I mean, you could just ask, hey, you know, what solutions are you looking for at the show today? Yeah. You know? Well, the, one of the, the great ones uh, in the book is, you, you know, you say to open, ask an open-ended question. But the one that I thought was terrific is uh, apparently works very well is you say, see anything cool at the show? Yeah, that's like the universal perfect opening line. Like I, I just – I hand that as, as a gift to everybody. Just if you if you take one thing from this podcast and this book, if you can just – open with the line, what's the coolest thing you've seen at the show today or what's the coolest thing you've heard? It does. It offers so many multitude of benefits. Mm-hmm. So first, you're trapped in the booth. You don't get to do the sort of the competitive information of, of everything that's out there. So that that's one huge benefit. Two is you're making it about them, not you. Mm-hmm. And you're – and they're ask, acting like editors – of, of the information that's out there. So you're getting the best information. But And then lastly, and this is one that's the most important, is their answer will help tell you whether they're going to be a qualified or disqualified customer. Mm-hmm. So if they answer something, it's, oh, I saw this really cool thing you know, about XYZ that's relevant to whatever your business is, you go, oh, so you're interested in XYZ. Mm-hmm. Well, it just so happens we're doing this. It does this, you know. And, and it goes, this sounds like this be up your alley. And so it immediately gets them to start qualifying themselves right away without you ever talking about your product. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you, you then say, uh, you know, have, have a few stories in the can. Right. And so, yeah, so it's, you know, have a few stories in the can that sort of uh, do the typical, um, type of customer, like where they're coming from. So, you know, once they give that information, then you can ask more, you go, so, oh, so tell me about your company, you know, what, what specifically are you guys dealing with? And then as soon as you get enough information, then you can relate it because, oh, okay, so now we have a customer who had the same situation as you. Right. You know, They were dealing with the same problem, blah, blah, blah. And what I like to do in a situation like that is, is to just immediately, this is where you can go into classic sales mode, is you act, ask a series of questions. You, you know, go, well, would you like a situation where, you know, you were, you were being considered for potential uh, for potential jobs, yes. And would you you like to be on the short list for all these other? Yes, you know. Start asking questions where they keep answering yes. So by the time you're done with three or four of these quick yes questions, you're going, well, Douglas, I have to help you here. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't help you in a situation. And they realize that you truly are helping them out at this point. Where what they're doing is they're qualifying themselves and leading themselves into you giving your pitch of, of your business and then gathering their information and qualifying them uh, as a potential customer. Yeah, it's funny. In the book, you said, uh, I, I can't believe this was a this isn't done more often, but you said people aren't really reading their name off their show badge. Oh, that is, that one blows my mind. Now, first of all, it's hard to read. Like, depending on how the show badges are printed, it's hard okay, to read them. Okay, that's fair. Um, but I will see your show badge coming down the aisle, go, hey, Douglas. And everyone assumes when they hear their name, first of all, people react positively when they hear their name, but everyone assumes when they hear their name that... Um, that I met you when I was really wasted the night before? Yeah, so met you, or that we know, yeah, that we know each other. Right. And my, I, I, my, uh, my lead trainer has a great opening line of this. He says, you know, if I see you, he goes, oh, Douglas, don't... Uh, I go, you're, you're surprised, don't aren't you? Well, actually I can read minds and show badges. 
Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> That's great. It would make me laugh. It would make me smile. And I would say, well played, good sir. Right. And But the thing is that people, you know, look, that is the best way to introduce yourself to someone. It's just say, hey, you know, hey, Douglas, see anything cool at the show today? I mean, you're go- most people will stop with that kind of introduction, assuming mm-hmm. it's their own name and I don't mistakenly call someone Douglas. Uh-huh. When that's not their name. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's talk about uh, qualifying leads, though, because you talk about that in the book title and you just mentioned it. Is, is there also not a whole lot of lead qualification going on at the, at the three feet point? Yeah, well, if you hire, you know, booth babes or, you know, crowd gatherers or things like that, who's all you tell them and say, get scans, for which, you know, that that may just be enough. It's potentially, you know, because if you've got this sort of Marketo model of lead generation, like if I got a thousand leads and I bring it into the funnel, I convert 300 of those and those 300, like right. I know for every thousand leads I get, I can turn them into, you know, 25 customers, whatever it is. I mean, I don't know. But um, the problem is, you, I'm sure you've had this happen in a trade show. The opening line you hear from someone is, can I scan you? And, and you say that's like saying, can I have a dollar? <laughs> can like- I have a dollar? But well, really what it's saying and the, the, the subtext under, can I scan you? Or it's not really subtext is the, I guess the translation actually better of can I scan you is Douglas, can I have your name, email address, and phone number to put in our database for us to follow up with you? Right, right. And that's uh, what can I scan you means. That is the translation of can I scan you. Right, right. And it reminded me of <laughs> And that's uh, an opening line. <laughs> it's like having a website. Let's say you're a B2B software as a service company. And instead of a homepage, you you just have a landing page. Uh, it says, enter your name and, and we'll, then we'll tell you, uh, provide your information in, these, in this form and then we'll tell you what you're going to get. I don't exactly. think the conversions would be very high there, but it, I was well, surprised that they did that, but people are just doing what they're told to. Well, people who work the booth, and it's usually, and when I say people, it's hired crowd gatherers who are just given a scanner and said, scan as many people as possible. They believe that you're walking by the booth or standing in front of the booth gives them credence to scan you and that that you've given them enough uh you've offered enough in that you walked by or you're standing in front of it and i have a that 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 gives them the opportunity to to get that information from them and you and what happens is and i always say please don't is you have that awkward moment where i say please don't scan me and it, it becomes an uncomfortable experience and people usually say no usually don't say anything because they don't want to have that uncomfortable moment. I got no problem with it. I mean, <laughs> I'll go right ahead and have it. Yeah, but it reminds me of when I'll go to a retailer or something and they'll say, um, I, I want to purchase something. And they'll say, can I have your email address? It's like, why? I'm handing you cash. <laughs> just take it and let me go on my way. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get entangled in, in whatever this uh, thing is. Or the, now they'll, they'll say, well, can we have your mobile number? You know, just a retailer, and it just seems just as absurd for people that are just trying to uh, chase people down to scan them. Yeah. Um, now, but in terms of qualification, uh, obviously, you, well, I think one of the takeaways should be you, you do need to be qualifying these people when you speak to them. You need to do it relatively quickly. Um, and you shouldn't speak with unqualified leads for too long, but you also explain that you should also not speak with qualified leads for too long. Explain that. Yeah. The whole thing at a trade show is volume. 
you got to be cranking through. Uh, you got to just be cranking through this stuff at an incredibly rapid rate. Um, and the if you spend too much time on one person, you're missing opportunities with other people. And the the problem is you're going to find that one person that you love talking with and you could literally spend the whole day talking with and have a great time with them. The problem is that's not your job. Your job is to qualify and move on, qualify and move on, and have positive, qualified, engaged moments with these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you don't have to do everything one at a time, though. That's the other thing is, you know, crowds actually beget more crowds. So, and this is more of a what we say a, like a four hundred level technique is you bring one person in, you have an engagement moment with them, and then you see another person coming in, and you just you call them over, go, hey Douglas, here, I'm talking to this guy Steve right now. Uh, I want you want you to hear what he's talking about regarding you know ABC, and now you have a group of two people, you're holding court with them, you're becoming a connector to those two. Now you can start bringing a third, a fourth, and now you're creating sort of a crowd. And, and, and now this becomes of an interest, especially if you're showing something. Actually, I'm a big fan of um, using an, iP- you know, an iPad or a tablet device to show your product because that way I can walk up to the person and show it to them mm-hmm. rather making, than making them walk the few steps over to the demo station to see what we're doing. Yeah, and it also uh, keeps the uh, trade show person, the exhibitor, from being behind a desk. Seems like another. Yeah, I, I despise. I despise the desk. The desk drives me crazy. Um, Don't the, get behind a desk. <laughs> it would no, but essentially you're putting a physical barrier between a, you and a potential customer. Yeah, and and also it's not easy to walk up and shake somebody's hand if you're behind a desk. It's mm-hmm. it's it's too formal. It shouldn't be in. You know, some of the really really huge booths feel that they need it, and I kind of understand that because. There's so much information and someone come up and say, hey, I need to find so-and-so um, or I need to find information that can sort of direct you to that right person. But in general, I just think a desk is a disaster. Keep your keep your booth as open as possible and you just want people physically walking right in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there, you know, the, the, the working the trade show floor, it, it's hard work. Um, and there was another thing that uh, – I found very interesting. It was some research from the uh, Center for Exhibit Industry Research, CEIR, mm-hmm. and it said that if a person with a high level of authority walks into your booth, they'll wait only 15 seconds for someone yeah, to Yeah, this is a famous them. study. Yeah, I was yeah. not familiar this, with that. The, Before they give up this is and a, just walk away. So uh, one guy I used to work with, his technique, and he kind of would essentially mimic that study, he would diagonally walk through a booth slowly and see if anyone would stop him and then he would use that as an opportunity to then um follow up with people who go look hey i walked through your booth nobody stopped me i'm a potential customer maybe you know we should talk about how you you train your staff you know <laughs> yeah that- i'd say you know for david spark if you go to shows these must be target rich environments for your some of your services they are target-rich environments, but you know the the problem is, and this is, and I work with a colleague who also trains people uh, presentations. I'll, it's hard to tell someone that they're not standing there and presenting their product correctly. You know what I mean? It's 
people don't there's not a polite way to come yeah, up and say you're, you're not doing this well. And so how you approach that issue is is extremely sensitive. One of the ways we've actually been pretty successful in sort of selling the book and the training is actually approaching from the event producers because they realize their whole goal is just to help their sponsors increase their ROI. Yeah. And one of the things that's been nice is we've gotten a lot of uh, bulk sales of the book where they buy a bunch just to give away to their sponsors. Mm-hmm. And that's been a huge boon that we didn't even expect when, we, when I wrote the book. Um, well, they yeah, they want they their exhibitors really, hey, to have, have, a, have a great experience, and they, they want to help them. And yeah, and it, this is a super cheap solution. Let me just give them the book as sort of a, a way to get things. But one of the things I always say, and this is true with any self-help book, is, yes, you can read the book. But if you don't actually practice it, of which I do mention in the book, it's it like, you know, it, it's for not. You actually have to practice these. And that's why I say, you know, literally in the office before you go to the show – do some experimentation. I mean, if you don't hire us, hire some kind of an improv coach to, you know, create some scenarios and, and test these all out. But the big thing is to practice your whole pattern. How do I how do I stop this random person that's walking by? How do I have a positive moment of engagement? How do I qualify or disqualify them? And I should mention the experience that you have that for the disqualified person also has to be positive. I can't run into you on the floor and immediately discover that you're not valuable and say, well, you're no valuable to me. See you later. Kind of thing. They, they Which I hear from next- people all the time, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. But, it's almost like you're reading my notes because I was going to ask the very next thing was about this idea of practice. And it, I, I, yeah. it hadn't occurred to me. I don't do my, I don't work, you know, for oh, people are uncomfortable exhibiting. with it. Yeah. They, but they're, that's why they're you need kind of a coach to take you through it. Yeah. And they, um, and they don't do it. But then again, I thought, well, you know, they, it's, it's, if for them, it's almost like just get to the show and that's, you know, that's really all you need to do as opposed to uh, going through this. But it seemed like you, you know, you do some kind of role play or practice, even if they were just to do what you described in the book, they do that once or twice, their people would be so much better. Yeah. Prepared. So we, our very first client we did this with, we worked in their, at their office and also at the trade show floor. And they tripled their expected leads after our uh, training. I mean, they were crazy, crazy ecstatic about it. You know, the other thing is also preparing yourself for scenarios that happen at trade shows. Like one thing that's actually not in the book that we heard through our training was people will come up to their booth and start essentially egging them on about the competition. So the idea is, it goes, oh, well, I see you guys are doing this. I mean, are you guys better than, you know, company Z? And, you know, they're essentially trying to bait you to talk negatively about the competition so they can then go report back to the competition. And the trick we always like to say in something like that is, A, never say anything negative about your competition. But the what I like to do is say things incredibly positive about them, but completely inconsequential. So, for example... <laughs> this goes, sounds like a basic sales technique. Like, you, yeah, know, you should never trash your competition. Let, no. the, let the prospect do that for you. Right, but... but but do it in a very a good company. Company Z. Oh my God! Did you see the balloons over there? They have the best balloons of any booth I've seen. Love their balloons. Yeah, and the 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 little hot dogs that are wrapped up, uh, pig yeah, in a blanket. Fantastic. Those guys really oh, yeah. have that nail. They best balloons, best hot dogs. Yes, I agree. 
anything else, you know, like just essentially deflect what they're obviously trying to do to you, which is bait you to talk negatively about. Yeah. And it, well, by the way, it happens at, con- at conferences all the time. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, David, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? Uh, to recognize that this is a true problem that that you need to be up on your game when you're working a trade show uh, booth. I mean, just that there is that that is where a lot of failures happen in last few years. And it's it's not a junket when you go to a trade show. And a lot of people think about that because they said that you know when they get to the booth, they talk about where they're going to have dinner and drinks after the show. Yeah, and their spouses think, well, if they're gone, they must be having a good time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's one I always get. <laughs> You should be exhausted and sweating by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. You should. So what books have inspired your work and career? Uh, actually, I, I would say uh, book-wise, I love the, uh, the book uh, Freakonomics. I'm mm-hmm. actually reading Super Freakonomics right now, and, I, and I'm a big fan of the podcast as well. Um, I was also oh, The E-Myth. Um, that's a famous book, The E-Myth, which talks mm. about the uh, – the the individual um, sort of business owner not trying to do everything themselves, but rather to try to um, make everything programmatic, mm-hmm. which I thought was very very smart. Those are, I, I was kind of big fans of both of those books. Yeah, yeah, great books, great books, uh, very very popular. Are there any recent or upcoming books that you recommend or are looking forward to reading? Uh, well, I'm assu- I'm assuming can I can I mention non. Marketing books? Any book. Any book. It could be a well, children's the, book. This well, I read a lot. I have two young boys and I read tons and tons of children's books. Oh, really? Okay. Uh yes. The uh Elephant and Piggy is the, the popular series right now. Oh, of which yeah. we got tickets to the the stage production as well, which is about as difficult as getting tickets to Hamilton. For those of you <laughs> right. out there listening who have little kids. You will know what I'm talking about. People talk about these big Broadway shows that are so difficult to get tickets. Uh-huh. When you have little kids and there's a popular kids production like The Bubble Lady, something like that, and everyone's and you're trying to get tickets to this because your kids desperately want to see it. Yeah, and your reputation how, as a dad is kind of on the line. Yeah, well, it's amazing how difficult it is to get tickets to these little kids shows. So forget Hamilton, as I said. Getting tickets to Elephant and Piggy, which we literally get the last seats in the house. Was was the major? Well, stroke. I guess congratulations are in order, and you may win Dad of the Year. Then I hope so. Well, we'll see how Elephant and Piggy goes over. Well, I think the next there's an Elmo show coming up that we're going to try to get tickets for. Yeah, as well. it never ends. Although my my kids are 18 and 21 now, and they won't let me read those kind of books to them anymore. In fact, no. they, they really won't pay much attention. <laughs> so well, it's just, you know, there I'm 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 sort of appreciative of the time that I can I can win them over with an Elmo video. And that's all it takes. I know those days are not going to last long. <laughs> right, right. We'll enjoy it. Um, so was there another uh, book that oh, you... Oh, another book? Yeah, uh, I'm a huge, huge... Uh, I was formerly a, a stand-up comedian myself, and I'm a f- huge fan of just reading about comedy history. I love and love it. Uh-huh. And this guy, uh, I'm going to butcher his la- his name, but Cliff Nesterdorf, I think his name, wrote this book called The Comedians, which came out, I believe, around November, uh, around the same time as my book came out, November of last year. And I heard him on a podcast. This guy is a walking encyclopedia on comedy. And uh, I actually just finishing up one thing, and that will be the next book I read. Oh, wow. Terrific. We'll make sure to link to that at uh, marketingbookpodcast.com. I think I would probably enjoy that as, as well. So how can listeners best learn about you and your book? 
So the book is available at threefeetbook.com. Uh, that's and that could be the number three or the word three. Either way, I will get you there. And uh, it's available on all your print and digital formats needs you you so choose. And uh, my business is SparkMediaSolutions.com. And uh, uh, actually, you can find out about our trade show training either through Three Foot Book or TradeShowTraining.net as well. The name of the book is Three Feet from Seven Figures: One-on-One Engagement Techniques to Qualify More Leads at Trade Shows. The author is David Spark. David, thank you very much for being on the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And that closes the book on Episode 77 of the Marketing Book Podcast. But please don't let the end of this episode be the end of what you can learn about modern marketing. Visit marketingbookpodcast.com. For links to all the things we talked about in this interview and access to free marketing guides from my agency, And while there, make sure to sign up for the Marketing Book Podcast newsletter so you never miss an episode. I just love hearing from listeners. It really makes my day when a listener reaches out to me with a suggestion or a book recommendation. Or if I can help point you to the right book or other marketing resource, please let me know if I can help. Just go to marketingbookpodcast.com and leave me a message or connect with me on LinkedIn. My name again is Douglas Burdett. Or heck... Just tweet me up using hashtag marketing book. And please join us next time as we talk with Zane Raj about his new book, Marketing for Tomorrow, Not Yesterday, Surviving and Thriving in the Insight Economy. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast.